My Life Now is a half-hour podcast show which regularly features reviews of new releases and all-time classics of both traditionally published and self-published books. Tune in for special guest interviews and, of course, helpful tips to not only write your next book, but also to help market it. My Life Now is most often referred to as a great way for authors to get quality exposure and avid readers to discover their next read. Without further delay, here's another stimulating episode of My Life Now. Welcome back to another episode of My Life Now. Once again, my name is Dallas. We have another amazing author joining us today, David OJ. Thank you so much, David, for joining us today. It's such a pleasure to have you. You are going to talk about your book called Man's Search for Sustainability. And so before we get that, get into that, just thanks again for joining us and tell us where you're located today. Dallas, I am uh, located outside of Raleigh, North Carolina in a small town called Clayton. It's about 10 minutes to the southeast of that city. Mm -hmm. We're going to just dive right in. So first off, what led you to write this book and to become an author? All right. Well, Dallas, I am uh, an engineer by training. I have uh, been in this particular field of engineering, that's environmental engineering, for about 34 years. Mm -hmm. And during that time, I've attended and continued up the uh, um, the uh, educational ladder of being focused on what industry can do to better be a steward of the environment. That years of experience uh, results in my attending um, a lot of conferences that have to deal with the how do we become more sustainable? How do we mm -hmm. better use the resources that are at our disposal? How do we become more efficient? And as a result, I found myself many times uh, wondering the more important question here is why be so at all? Uh, that kind of prompted me into saying there's something lacking in this discussion. Uh, the the question of why be sustainable uh, in the first place? And mm -hmm. that's that prompted me to begin research into what I eventually resulted in in this book. Would you say that this is a growing topic nowadays as we're kind of getting into more organic type foods and things are kind of changing and people are becoming more aware? What would you say in that area? Well, the, the concept of how to be sustainable uh, continues to grow. And if you do any search on that, you'll see multiple ways of people trying to apply it. Uh, the question of why be so in the first place uh, is not really discussed. It, it's more of a philosophical question something that uh, has been discussed for hundreds of years, uh, mm -hmm. that's where I think um, is lacking or what is lacking in this current discussion. Yeah. And I want to just dive into your life a little bit as well. So how have you changed in some of your habits through this conviction that you've you've seen? Well, the why part of this, and, and one of the reasons for even the title of the book, Man's Search for Sustainability, came from a uh, another book by uh, Viktor Frankl, uh, Man's Search for Meaning. Um, the the reading of that book, I, I've read it in the past, but I read it again mm -hmm. during the time that I was doing research for uh, for what I was going to eventually write, helped me see that that's, that's the aspect that we need to further delve into. And that's what uh, kind of prompted me to write what I wrote. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so let's dive into the book a little bit more. So you kind of talk about the honeybee, the locust, some different things of that, the world of insects. Go into that a little bit further for us. Okay. 
Well, I mentioned Viktor Frankl. Before I, mm-hmm. I move into sex, let me bring to light something that he has in Man's Search for Meaning. He he uses a quote by Nietzsche that says, he who has a why to live for can bear almost any how. That mm-hmm. why he is able to show is something a lot deeper than just the desire to see another day. It's the why do I desire to see another day? Why move any step further in the particular situation I'm in? Now, Viktor Frankl, I'm going to start there, uh, survived the Nazi concentration camps of the, the 40s. And as a result, after he was released and had been out of the camps for about a, uh, about a three-month period of time, in nine days, he wrote Man's Search for Meaning, where he tried to look at why did anybody in those camps whose you know, uh, future seemed dim if pretty much non-existent, continued day after day to sustain their life. And pretty much it was a it was desire to understand that there's reason for the suffering that they go through. That kind of prompted me as I was wow. looking at these two insect communities uh, to say, let's let's see a little deeper into what they have because we have honeybees, which are perhaps the most loved of insects. Uh, there are honeybee colonies and backyards throughout the world. And it's a hobby that uh, fascinates a large part of the world's population. Honeybees pollinate 60% of the plants we uh, eat. They are a fascinating insect that show a tremendous amount of, uh, of um, community. They, they work together to, uh, you know, to, to support one another. I mean, the state of Utah has the, the, the honeybee comb right there in the center of their flag. Almost uh, half the states in the United States use in some way a honeybee as an indication of a characteristic they desire their country to 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 or their state to emulate and that's you know a desire to to work and to be diligent mm-hmm. on the other end of the spectrum are locusts now most people don't say the word locust without plague showing up somewhere in the same sentence uh, because of of course the uh you know the uh, the scourge of uh, uh in, in exodus where it mentions that the eighth plague of course was that of uh, Mm-hmm. locusts most uh, people don't understand that locusts have been throughout all the you know the, the past thousands of years uh a source of frustration to mankind to the point where if they show up on the horizon uh, your future is is dim uh they're going to devour everything that you desire mm-hmm. and as a result they are the most most uh, hated, I would say, or most misunderstood. So you have those two spectrums. You have the one that seems to be the most desirous, the honeybee, and the most hated, the locust. And I thought that's where we need to go. That's where we need to start. Wow. Yeah, you go, you just dive right in. And so for those of us that are interested in this, and I know that once we get to Texas, we will be working in a ministry that is working on self-sustainability, and we will be getting honeybees if they're not already there when I arrive. And so this is something that I'm completely new to, but I'm definitely open to because my wife loves honey. She cooks with honey instead of sugar. And so just some of those things in my life, I've seen a change just through my marriage. And so what else could you say that we could do? What can we do as our listeners today to make a difference and to join in with with these things that you're talking about today? Dive into a transformative journey of faith with faith in action, evangelistic devotional and journal by Pastor Brett Heath. Uncover profound insights from Scripture, fueling your evangelic spirit. The lined journal pages invite reflection, making it a must-have for those eager to share their testimony effectively. 
Get your copy on Amazon and embark on a path of impactful evangelism. Experience the magic of a sunny Christmas with Joseph Simmons Jr.'s heartwarming holiday anthem. This multilingual masterpiece celebrating love and joy is available in English, French, Mandarin, Hindi, Portuguese, Spanish, Japanese, and many more. Don't miss out on the global celebration. Listen to the full song by searching Thanking of a Sunny Christmas on YouTube today. Well, uh, having a honeybee a colony in your backyard is a good way to start. Usually you start with two. Uh, I have uh, I have four uh, colonies wow. that are uh, in my backyard, four separate hives. There's different uh, personalities that you can see in each and every single one of them. You'll mm-hmm. interact with them. You'll see the strengths and the weaknesses. You'll see the 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 generation over the period of time, especially now, uh, February, but soon it'll be springtime as they start to uh, uh, gather, you know, uh, nectar and, and, and pollen. A person who interacts with that is going to start to learn something from the from the world of the insect that they didn't know before. Um, mm-hmm. That particular grasping of what's happening around us in communities that are in the tens of thousands uh, can teach us a lot about how to sustain our own existence and future. There's a lot of sharing. There's a lot of caring. And there's a lot of community involvement within a beehive mm-hmm. that uh, is easily applicable to the, the the situations we're in and someone can learn from from all of that yeah that was actually my next question how can we learn from these insects and the gifts and these creatures that god has given us as you mentioned you know the bible earlier and so i think that's that's absolutely what my next question was if you could go into that what can we learn from the locust as well if anything okay well in the book of proverbs um you have chapter six talking about the ants, go to the ant, thou slugger, observe her ways and be wise. But also you show up in chapter 30 of, of, um, of Proverbs, the fact that there are some insects or some creatures that are very small that are exceedingly wise. And it only uses the word exceedingly with wisdom once in the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is about wisdom. And one time they say, look at these small creatures. They are exceedingly wise. Third on that list mm-hmm. is locusts. And the wisdom it points out that locusts demonstrate is to be able to uh, proceed without a king. There appears within the locust population no structured um, uh, leader who is making them do what they do, uh, as opposed to the honeybees where you mm-hmm. have the queen and there's a direction and there seems to be the the conglomeration of effort around her and, and the hive working together. In contrast, you have locusts who don't seem to have that king, who don't seem to be able to do that, but in the long term have a much more devastating effect upon mankind than than the ant or the locust. Hmm. I'm sorry, the ant and the honeybee. Wow, that is that is crazy. And so you're kind of saying that even though that they have a little bit of chaos, they still act in exceedingly wisdom, as you said there. Well, it, the wisdom that is verse 27 of chapter mm-hmm. 30, where it says they they appear to move forward without a king. They appear mm-hmm. to uh, operate in the absence of some direction to tell them to take action. And that per, that, that depth of, uh, of um, a performance is what I think is being pointed out as exceedingly yeah. wise. Uh, there is this searching for the center there. 
of going with the wind when those individuals who study locusts try and find out what does motivate them to go this direction or that direction or to stay in this this area of desert or move to the next it appears to be a uh, uh, an unknown effort uh, to find a center within this massive in many cases millions billions and even in the united states trillions of locusts in uh, one area wow. What was some of your research that you were looking through with this book? Of course, you've mentioned some of the honeybee, some of the locust. What are some other things that you were looking into insect-wise or other things, other principles into this book? Well, uh, there's the internet gives you uh, just a tremendous number of resources. You can get scientific articles. Uh, there aren't that many books on locusts that don't usually go into, like I, I mentioned, locust mm -hmm. plague. Uh, with honeybees, the, the research, of course, was my my experience with North Carolina State University. There's a Dr. David Tarpey who teaches classes on beginning, intermediate, and advanced um, uh, honeybee management. Um, there's a number of books by uh, uh, Dr. Seeley from um, Cornell University who talks about the the democratic uh, decision making within a beehive and how the decision to do something is a, a marvelous demonstration of a, of exchange of ideas that eventually come up with what they're going to do and where they're going to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, so the, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, David. Sorry. Those are some of the things. The, the, the interesting thing I found about locusts is that most of the situation of locusts and the research is to stop them. Uh, <laughs> we don't want them around and our effort to sustain honeybees is the exact opposite. We do not want to stay, sustain as a, a society a locust, mm -hmm. but locusts seem to be almost unstoppable in some cases, whereas honeybees are having colony collapse disorder issues where they on, for what it seems to be uh, a number of reasons, which I include in the book, uh, a propensity just to dissolve into a uh, chaos and, and, and then leave their, uh, their hive entirely. Mm -hmm. And outside of beekeeping, what are some other ways that I can find self-sufficiency? That you can find self-sufficiency. Uh, well, beekeeping is a, is a good lesson for uh, for that community. Uh, um, let's see, one of the things that perhaps could, could be brought to light, and I bring this out in the book, is that we can learn a lot from what's already in existence within the communities around us. Uh, mm -hmm. The 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 other insects, the the other small creatures that we have in the environment around us give us a, a school room full of uh, experiences that I don't think we're taking advantage of. Mm -hmm. uh, there are two things. I, if you've heard of the name Christopher Watkins, he's uh, written a book uh, that called, it's called um, let me just look it up for just a second, Biblical, mm -hmm. Biblical Critical Theory. He points out uh Aristotle's understanding of mimesis and poesis, uh, and this kind of brings the same thing to the front. Mimesis is understanding that there are forms, there are ideas, there are concepts that can best un be explained as what is here, and which we mm -hmm. need to figure out and learn from. Insects, for example, um, a person finding themselves getting closer to nature and seeing what's around them on a daily basis, as opposed to poesis, which the concept there is that. Uh, we have uh, just a blank plate, uh, a slate of uh, of 
information and resources, and we can kind of build it into whatever we want. The second particular idea, poiesis, unfortunately, is the major way most people look at uh, how to grasp what's around us, as opposed mm-hmm. to mimesis, which is, in contrast, learning from what's already here. Yeah. Yeah. And diving into that, when it comes to sustainability, what was the biggest regret or mistake that you saw before you understood more of, of course, what you wrote into your book here? Uh, let's see. What did I learn the most from what I wrote into this book is that uh, the disparaging of locusts um, has probably uh, resulted in such a lack of uh, of learning from that particular insect. Not that I want to be on the receiving end of such a plague. I mean, right. uh, but but at the same time, to see what what we can be uh, exposed to from from such an insect, mm-hmm. uh, what we can be exposed to from learning about it. It wasn't until 1921 that there's a a, a professor Boris Yuvarov, who was a Russian, who uh, found himself um, identifying that this locust is actually a phase change from what most people see as a normal grasshopper. Uh, the insect itself goes from one particular type into another, uh, becoming more from very solitary to very gregarious. That is, in most people's imagination, almost impossible. It's almost like they become super in their their ability to do what they do. I learned a great deal that I didn't realize uh, until I started to look into that. Uh, their brains increase by 30%. In their, their strength of their legs, the ability to fly. They can fly for as long as 17 hours. And these ones would, in, would, would fly for um, that amount in large numbers uh, in, in concert with the other ones that are around them. Wow. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. I, I'm interested in this. As I said, we're going to be opening up a beehive here shortly. And so we'll definitely be in touch, David, about this. And I'll have to take some of your wisdom because I don't know very much about that yet, but that is the goal to, to be sustaining that ministry there. So I really appreciate your time here, David, anything else that you would want our audience to take away from this book or from your time here? Well, uh, most of my books are just storytelling. I'm telling you the story about these two communities and I'm hoping that from this, this, um, scratching this itch that we want to know more about what's around us, uh, that they will do just that. They'll read such a book and they'll continue to search themselves into what the Lord has given to us in this world around us and, and learn from it. Uh, being exceedingly wise, like, like mm-hmm. these four creatures are, um, is something that each one of us desires to be. Yeah. Yep. One more time. What is the title of the book and where can we find it? The book's title is Man's Search for Sustainability. Uh, comparing the most loved and the most hated insect communities on the planet. And it can be found on Amazon. All right. Wonderful. We're going to have a link in the description below so our audience can click on that. And how can we connect with you, David? Do you have a a personal website or a social media or something that we could be in touch? I do. It's uh, davidogbooks.com. Hopefully this is not my only book to be written. That's my book there. So davidogbooks.com. And... uh, you can reach me through that. Uh, All right. That we'll one. be on the lookout for the next one. All right. Thanks, Dallas. What a pleasure to have you. This is the My Life Now podcast. Thank you for listening and supporting another episode of My Life Now. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast show and share it with a friend. Together, we can keep the message of these books alive. 
Until we turn the next page together, stay classy.